we are back with every time, Delve. It's every, been another. It's been a while since we've done one of these. Yeah, I couldn't remember. What did we do? We did the Carpenter Apocalypse trilogy. Yeah, it was the Carpenter Apocalypse trilogy. Was the last thing we did. Actually, it wasn't that long then. No, it wasn't too too long. And but for it listeners, like it's this, been even less. True. I mean, this uh, this spring and summer are just flying the fuck by. You're telling me. I mean, I'm still getting used to where to go food shopping. <laughs> well, that's exciting, though. Hopefully you find the good places. I mean, I usually a... go to the generic, like, usual supermarket kind of place. Mm-hmm. There's an Aldi, but Aldi always kind of gives me the willies. I hate Aldis. Yeah, it, something about it, it always kind of creeps me out. Do they have a good butcher by you? I think I think they 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 the the one the supermarket the it's not supermarket but the grocery store I can walk to has a decent butcher selection. Okay, but I I've been just buying the cheap stuff at the store because I'm just cooking for myself. So, right. Okay, so impress anybody. So uh, for people who listens to the Apocalypse Trilogy uh, podcast, you'd know. That today we are reviewing the 1972 Russian film Solaris, based on a book, the book Solaris by Stanislaw Lem. Which is, and that is a Polish novel, not a, not a Russian novel. For oh, listeners. I'm sorry. Are you, 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 know, no, no, you didn't say anything there. You didn't say anything wrong. Okay. I, just, I more wanted to point out that it is a Polish novel. Now, I don't quite remember. Let's see. It probably tells me. The. It's, the novel is 204 pages. Yes. The novel decently shows, you know, it's, an, it's, a, it's a pleasant sci-fi novel length. Now, what I've heard from someone who knows a little bit about this kind of thing is that the the novel is dense, though. It's dense, but it does move faster. There's about... I, I also read the novel in preparation for this podcast. Um, oh, good on you. I wanted to read it. It's been on my list for a while, and it wasn't. It wasn't that long, so I was able to squeeze it in. It the okay. the first like forty five minutes of the movie are not in the novel. That stuff on Earth there, right, is not in the novel. Interesting. And I just to clarify, uh, the final point I was making about that is that the movie is one hundred and sixty six minutes. It was a long movie. Yeah, it was. And this is somewhere I, I like 2001: A Space Odyssey, which is 160, 142 minutes, about 20 minutes shorter. And there are parts that crawl about this much, but this crawled so hard through the whole movie. It. If this is the slowest film I have ever seen. It is, and it's one of the things I realized way, way too far in advance is there is no climax to this movie at all. I challenge anyone to prove me wrong on that. Things happen, but there is no there's no climax. Yeah, there's no moment of choice. There's no... It's a single path. Right, and I would argue for the character, for the main character that the most exciting thing that happens happens while he's unconscious. Yes. 
So, do we want to let's let's start to explain the plot of Solaris? Sure. Um, you have psychologist Chris Calvin, and I'm I'm just explaining the movie plot because yeah. I didn't read the book. So you have psychologist Chris Calvin who he starts on Earth. He's been assigned and accepted the assignment to embark on a journey to a space station orbiting an oceanic planet called Solaris. They've been, and Earth has been studying this planet for quite some time. It seems to be viewed as like, this is where the next scientific uh, explorations are really going to occur, where we're going to learn and evolve ourselves scientifically. So, but they've been having issues. The, the, the space station crew is sending back weird messages. This isn't the first time this has happened. So they want the psychologist to go to the station and basically say, hey, this place needs to be scrapped. We're not getting anywhere. Or, no, 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 we should continue. It's all explainable. And he, he goes there. So... When he arrives, there's only two of the scientists out of the three that are supposed to be there are alive. The scientist that is his good friend, Dr. Gabarian, has killed himself. He's left a video behind, kind of trying to explain himself, but most likely, but mostly to explain to um, of the Chris Calvin that he's not going insane. Like that seems to be the main point of the video he leaves behind is to let his friend know, Hey, you're going to start experiencing some, some weird things. You're not crazy. This is happening. And you can already see, um, there's only supposed to be two other people on the station, but you've already seen from his first few moments on the station that there are, there's, there probably are other things on the station. It's all just done in glimpses and things. He sees half of a head here in one scientist's quarters. I think the biggest thing is he goes to see, he goes to the other scientist's quarters in some sort of deformed midget. Yeah. Almost a, hum, almost a homunculus, um, like pops out of the other scientist's quarters and is shushed back in. And then when he goes to sleep for the first time, he wakes up to find his wife, Hari, who had killed herself, I think, 10 years ago. Yes. Um, and that's basically the, 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 the plot is that's the kind of starting what's to, happening. Yeah. Starting to discover those things. Now, since we're at that point, do you think, like, does the book deal with his first discovery of his dead wife coming, being on the station any better? Because his decision-making process in terms of that seems pretty extreme. Because he, in the movie, with, without two, with, with, with barely any consideration, he brings the being that says that she's his wife back to the shuttle bay, puts her in the rockets, telling her, oh, I'll climb in just after you, shuts her in, and launches her into space to get rid of her. 
burning himself in the process because he wanted he couldn't do it quick enough. Which that I yeah he's just I feel like he paused there yeah didn't quite make sense of why that happened. It seemed a very extreme first reaction. They even make fun of it. Um, the other doctor, who's less of an asshole and more sane, um, talks to him and he says, you didn't start with poison or, you know, uh, a knife or something? You just went straight to launching her into space? But they never really give a good explanation for why that's the first thing you do when your dead wife comes back to life on a space station far, far away from Earth. I don't think that was his first reaction in, in the book. And I would be gratified to know that, that, that he chose something different in the book. I, as a, I could be thing. wrong. I could and, be and wrong. Maybe, but um, I guess uh, just for, like, eventually he does accept her, and he kind of, like, she becomes a character in this movie. And it's an odd thing, because she knows, and the other scientists make it very clear to her, she's not real. Like, she's this copy that's been created by the planet. Yeah, the inside of the planet, they sort of did some damage to the ocean, and the ocean sort of striking back in this odd way. Well, see, that's the thing. I don't think the planet is attacking them. To me, it feels like the planet is trying to figure out how to tell them to fucking stop. Like, it's trying to communicate with them, and it doesn't really know how. I mean, when you're a planet, how do you talk to someone? No, that's a good point. And it doesn't, it, obviously it's also dealing with humans for the first time in this 50 year span. Sure. Cause if it, frankly, let's, let's be honest. If it wanted to kill them, it's demonstrating abilities that would make it very easy to kill them. And so the, 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 the big, the big difference in the book and the movie is the book's theme is much more on how, you know, humans ability to understand the unknown. Whereas okay. that's not a theme in the movie. Our, it's a theme, I think, that you just have to stretch for. Yeah, it's the director doesn't care about that though. It's no. there because he it's there because he can't get rid of it so much to you know to still have the same story and the same characters. But the book's concern is about how do we you know, hu- you know, humans are always gonna be able to figure out these things out. No matter how tricky a problem it is. Sure. Okay, that's interesting. Um, and really, like like we said, there's no climax, and the ending is very elusive. You don't really know what the ending means, or I didn't know what the ending means, certainly. I, I would assume that, that he wasn't back on Earth, but that's him sort of his last vision before he dies or something like that? Well, he's definitely not back on Earth. They make it very clear as they pan out and, like, they've recreated the plot of land that is his father's farm. And then as you pan out from it, well, first it was raining inside and now it's problematic. (laughs) And then as you pan out from it, you see the rest of the ocean on the ocean planet. So, like, but you're left to wonder, is this a vision is it something the planet's created because they were beaming his brainwaves to the planet? Did he go to the planet? 
Like there, there's no real sense of idea about what happened because basically the last scene you see is he and another scientist talking and basically telling this, this psychologist, Hey, maybe it's time you went back to earth. And then they break from that scene and they show him walking on what you think is earth. And then like the, all the, the details start adding up incorrectly. And you find out that this is a, a replication on the planet Solaris. Yes. But you don't know if it's really him or if it's what you have the, no idea. Did the planet yeah. make him. Yeah. And then I don't necessarily need that answer in a, in a, in a more straightforward film. Right. Like I would be happy with that, that lack of conclusion and a film that I really had a beat on what it was trying to tell me. Yeah, but this film, and you know, there's been buckets of ink spilled in this film already, and we're not adding anything smart to the conversation, other no. than telling you that we are we didn't quite engage with this film. Now, I read several, I read many reviews, honestly, um, after I watched the movie, and the consensus seemed to be like, oh, you definitely, like, the people who really liked the movie were like, you definitely have to watch this movie more than once to really start to pick apart what it's saying. And I've heard that about more than one movie. And the problem I have with that is that if you can't at least communicate your basic idea to me on a first watch through, I don't have a lot of time for you. Yeah, I, I, I get getting more out of the situation through rewatches. You need to have a good first morsel. When you do that, mm-hmm. and you be able to see and those threads better, you know, and you always you can almost always see those threads better in a second, third, fourth sure. review. Now we picked this movie because it was on someone or more than someone's lists for best sci-fi movies. Yeah, it's a, you know in the hundred best or one of those many lists that are out there. It's called the Russian two thousand one in some circles, and I. I honestly think that does a disservice to 2001, which is not necessarily my favorite movie, but is a no one can argue it's not a, a brilliant piece of science fiction. It's a brilliant, and you know what? You can follow 2001. No matter how Absolutely. obtuse people say it is, it's not unfollowable. Right. Even in the most, even in the weirdest scenes, you still have a beat of what's going on. And, and yeah, so, that, to me, that's a film where the. You'll you'll get more out of this the second third fourth viewing. Sure, is a viable statement. So, I mean, let's see. Do I have good stuff? What well, would be my good stuff? Um, I really actually like the actors. The acting is good. There's like I can't impugn any acting in this film. Um, and I felt like for 1972, the effects are fine. The effects are good, and it gives a good. I like. I like the set design. I like the. I like the setting. Like I, the visuals of where people are always play well to me. Like, it always makes you feel. It make the the like the setting on the space station where everything is like gone to shit. The the, the doctor's sure. father's farm. Those set a mood really well. Yeah, I, I definitely like. I was glad they included the uh, farm pieces. It, it helped ground me when we started, when we went into space with him. Yeah, I mean, I didn't need, you know, five minutes of some guy in a car. No, that was odd. Like, that, that, that to was, me, like, it, kind of broke me, I think, at that point in the film. 
there were some really odd decision-making pieces by the the director in terms of how long we were going to spend on certain things. Like, there are things in there that he, like, he's just begging you to find poignant that aren't. Like, there's the kids playing on the father's farm, and I'm like, okay, he's going to do some sort of clever piece with these kids somewhere. Keeping in mind that I had no idea what the plot for this movie is when I started it. Like, I just, I just started watching it. So for all I knew, it was going to be like a time gap piece where these kids were important. But, like, the kids aren't important at all. It was like some actor wanted his kids in the film. And, and the director aging or memory or... Yeah, like, there's a lot of things that you're like, this must be symbolic, because he's spending a lot of time on it, and then you're like, I don't think that was symbolic. Or may- maybe it is, and maybe it's just, he's putting a lot of symbolism in that, We're because not you're staring at it for so long, you start to lose that. Right. Now, my wife had an interesting point. She watched, like, the last hour with me. Um, Which, I think the last hour is more engaging than the than earlier in the film, that's when they started to argue about what this is all... Like, they're sure. arguing about what's going on in the film. Right. So she watched the last hour with me, and she made this point that said, basically, well, maybe because it's dealing with such, like, philosophical concepts and such intellectual pieces, that maybe because it's a natively Russian movie and we're reading English subtitles, we're just missing some parts of it. Like, we, we're not necessarily fully capable of, like, hitting all the nuance because of that. That's a, that's a distinct possibility. But I still question some of the timing moments. No, absolutely. God, that guy in the car and everything. And just, ugh. Like, the, the, the guy in the car, which happens in the first 45 minutes. Like, they mm-hmm. just, you, you start to wonder to yourself, why am I staring at this for, minute, for another minute? And another minute. And it's, and it's louder and it's unpleasant. Yeah. And it didn't strike me as very futuristic either. It, it, it felt like near future. To me. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like, they wanted it to, but then they put a dude in a car. Yeah. It, it still felt like... Now-ish? You know? We had... They predicted the, the VCR. They had a nice little VCR there. Um, or I don't actually know if there were VCRs in 72 or not, so maybe I'm just full of shit. There was ways to record but, film by then. But they had, you know, Skype. But it was, a, it was a nice... Or, you know, audio It was call. a nice little box. They had the video calls. Like, they had things that were like, look at us, we're in the future. And then they stick a guy in a car in a traffic jam in a tunnel. You know what? Let's be real here. 20 years from now... It's not going to happen. There's still going to be a guy in a car and a traffic jam in a tunnel? Yes. Will it be a space tunnel? No, it'll be the Lincoln Tunnel. Oh, God. It'll probably still be someone from two weeks ago. What? It'll probably still be someone from two weeks ago that's just been stuck in a traffic jam. Well, then it's a Doctor Who episode. It is a Doctor Who episode. I was just thinking that. (laughs) It's literally a Doctor Who episode. Yes, new, 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 New York. Yeah, the third or fourth time they end up there. Yeah. Oh, just as a shout out, if if any of you who are listening have a big problem with 
the new Doctor Who casting, uh, I, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> they, in fact, may go fuck themselves. Yeah, like they they can suck a bag of dicks. Just just go with it. My only disappointment with the whole thing will be if they spend a entire season with how, oh my god, the Doctor's a woman, as opposed to just, you know, talk about it for two episodes and let's move on. I want there to be no comment on it ever. It's unreasonable to expect that, but I don't want it to last past the pilot, really. They did it with the Master, where they didn't comment on the Master's gender. They did, and I, I wouldn't mind it. I just think it might be unreasonable to expect that out of this. Well, I've got a new showrunner. We'll see what happens. Yep. It's, I'm looking forward to it. And for those of you who weren't like watching too much, I, I do. I will say this last season with um, with uh, Capaldi, Capaldi has been it was fantastic. Is one of my favorite seasons in the new Who. Honestly, someday I'll catch up. Someday. Yeah, I'd you like know, my to. wife has now watched more Doctor Who than you have. I'm okay with this. <laughs> I can look at this universe. Any, I will tell our audience. In regards to Solaris, what I, I think I told someone else already, which is because I'm like, so you don't recommend it. And I said, no, I recommend you only watch it once. I don't think it is. I think that anyone should feel like they should watch it for the same reason we watched it is it is widely recognized as a very important science fiction movie. Now, we're, if it deserves it or not, I can't tell you. But I think it's worth watching once. I think you always want to build up that context. You always need that. Yeah. Now, I mean, if you watch it and you like it, well, then it's on you. Go watch more. Watch it again. Watch it a thousand times. But I do think that it's not unreasonable to say if you are a student of science fiction, especially in the film genre, that watching it once is not unreasonable. I mean, I recommend the book. Honestly, like, I would say that that's worth reading. And I, and I could have been jaded by reading the book version and enjoying it, and then finding out that um, the author hated the movie. Almost certainly that you, you fucked up because of that, because I, I read a few reviews who their biggest problem was that it wasn't the book. And I mean, I, I appreciate what this film did, I think it was... it's. But what got me into the book was the discussions on biology and research, not the discussions on human relationships. Right. And there were a couple of good quotes. Um, I especially liked the um, – there was an argument at the beginning regarding um, whether knowledge should be off limits or not. And if, if by saying that we should not have this knowledge, meaning we're putting some sort of wall – on what we can study or what, what what our potential is and that kind of thing. There were some very high concepts in this movie that I think that we should talk about more just as a society. Yeah, and, and those elements, I think, could have been interesting. I think when they're actually talking about human relationships in the film, I'm engaging with it. When there's conversation, right. I'm engaging with the film. When it's someone walking for 20 minutes or five minutes, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm phasing out of the story. Right. But I mean, uh, like I said, like I, I think, I think my general feeling from you is that people should feel free to pass the movie and just read the book instead. And I would say like, I haven't read the book, but now I'm kind of curious about it. 
And I would say that, you know, if you're curious about what we've been saying and it doesn't turn you off completely, then absolutely give the movie a try. You're, if nothing else, you're being a historian at that point. This was a science fiction from 1972. The book was, I don't know how much older the book was, but. The book's like mid 60s, so not too much longer. So, like, yeah, give it a try and see. But be prepared for a really long, frankly, boring movie. Yeah, and this is people who have, on the past, been on record saying they like boring films. And we've watched Babylon 5, and that is a show made of people arguing around a table. <laughs> yeah. Like, we've devoted years of work to watching that show. Yep. So, and I have, I've heard many people argue that at least the first season is exceptionally boring. I, I think they're full of shit now that I've had our, our Babocast re, re, uh, you know, reviews, but that's beside the point. Um, but what is our next um, Delph piece? Alexa, select a random number between 1 and 104. Brought to you by the Amazon. The number between 1 and 104 is 101. That is a Vinny pick. Ooh. And, do you uh, have one prepared? I do have one prepared. It is the film Bullet to the Head. Did you, have you seen that? No. Well, then be excited for it. It sounds pulpy. Is it pulpy? It is a 2012 action thriller. Based on the French graphic novel uh, Duplom dans la tête, la tête, I don't know how to speak French, starring Sylvester Stallone. Okay. Oh, real quick. Um, have you seen Baby Driver yet? I have not seen Baby Driver yet. It is on my list to see. Uh, Tuesday night it may become my movie night because that is five dollar movies. Nice. Okay, because I'm I'm interested to to hear people's reviews of it, so I know whether I need to see it in the theater. I can wait. All right, so we're doing Bullet to the Head next. Yes. Sorry, which we'll, which we'll get the, the, the taste of this film out, and I just think, you know, 80s-style action film. Uh, excellent. An 80s, an 80s film from 2012. Yes, where the villain is played by Christian Slater. Oh, excellent. I think he'd make a wonderful villain. I've only seen him as heroes. You, you haven't seen Heather's? No, I've never seen Heather's. You've never... Fuck! Okay, I might change... No, no, we're taking a bolt to the head. I'm kind of amazed that you've seen Heather's, frankly. I've seen... Yeah, that, it's one of... I shouldn't have seen it, but it kind of... I, it just crossed my path at the right time. Right. That I've said I have seen Heather's. But that's know. the one the other thing I've seen Christian Slater in is Heather's, really. Oh, I've seen him in a ton of movies. He's right up there with Nick Cage for me. Really? He's been in so many weird, horrible movies, and I've seen many of them. Well, get ready for another one. Fair enough. I'm excited. All right, so until next time, you know, keep watching science fiction. Yep. I know we will. Mm-hmm.